0: Hello traders, welcome to another Performante podcast. This is episode 60 and we're today we're going to be looking at a pretty diverse group of kind of uh, news stories that we've gathered here. The first one's going to be a main uh, key topic, Paraguay legal or legislating Bitcoin as legal tender. We'll get into more kind of institutional discussions looking at the Swiss bank making some moves. We're then going to move on to CRO and Crypto.com, making a key partnership with a uh, pretty prominent uh, industry. We're then going to be talking about some crypto whales. We're going to move over to a news topic with a FaZe member, I believe. It's a a group kind of in uh, gaming, basically. We're then going to move into a hedge fund that... uh, Dumped a hard drive basic or that is funded to find a dumped hard drive that had a bunch of Bitcoin on it. And then we're going to end off talking about Huubi, which is a exchange that's been around since 2013. And uh, is r- really a top leader and contender for really a, a my raid of DeFi and just being able to use um, it to transact with individuals on spot or margin futures. They got it all. So thank you very much for tuning in and I'll pass it over on to Nathan. I
1: appreciate the time you've taken. It is July 10th. So just to jump right in, we got another international country jumping in on the BTC bandwagon. First, we had that crazy news coming out of El Salvador and there's some speculation that other countries like Uruguay, Paraguay, Argentina are going to be joining in. But lo and behold, Paraguay looks like it'll be the next country to jump on the bandwagon. Ultimately, it looks like they are going to be announcing and finalizing to present their Bitcoin bill on July 14th. This is a mega surprise, as they call it in the tweet, and they say something giant is coming. And it's pretty interesting because not only is this going to be transitioning Bitcoin into a form of legal tender, but this is also kind of defining some parameters of legislation and basically creating the transition, the framework of how both their... Uh, normal financial system and the revised financial system with Bitcoin can interact moving forward into the futures. Because ultimately, just to quote the the, pre, the senator, sorry, we want the regulators and banks to also participate so that Paraguayans or foreigners can operate with these assets legally because we know that illegal transactions is, exist here in other countries. Ultimately, I think this is just kind of a step towards Bitcoinization and allowing technology to truly benefit the members of this specific
0: population yeah very well said i think as we get further along in this bull run there will be many other countries that will be um, continuing to take the step further like we've seen el salvador and uh, right now paraguay uh, move to that next step in that next level of adoption talking more about adoption We're now going to discuss a Swiss bank that made it uh, possible. It's the first time ever to actually allow clients to stake Ethereum as a a major bank. And uh, it's it's called Signum is the bank name. And they'll allow clients to safely stake their Ethereum through the bank and utilizing an institutional grade banking platform, which is currently generating a yield of up to 7% per annum, which is pretty solid. Um, So we have seen the slow introduction of ethereum 2.0 so that is allowing them to stake and being able to um kind of lower fees is coming on the way so um we're definitely going to be looking at ethereum in in a larger time frame as an extremely bullish case and even in this bull run definitely but um yeah pretty unbelievable that we're seeing institutions actually allow staking it's a very easy way to create passive income in the crypto realm um really just very simple DeFi, and I think once people realize this you can get 7% in dividends, but um, I would say that a lot of people find it um, more interesting with a higher yield um, because Ethereum's on a, at a very low end, uh, you can get some pretty high yields if you look elsewhere. So I think once the cat's out of the bag, so to speak, uh, there will be a influx of capital coming into the world of DeFi because it's still relatively small compared to the overall markets.
1: Yeah, comparatively, it is a much smaller market, but this Swiss bank Signum is ultimately kind of easing the friction between consumers and institutions. Obviously, they must be a pretty forward thinking bank to offer Ethereum staking, and they also offer Tezo staking, which is pretty incredible. Failing to mention that they also uh, are offering yield generating fixed income, fixed term deposits on the digital Swiss franc stablecoin. Pretty bullish to see a bank kind of adopt both the technology and offer a product for its customers because ultimately that's really what we're looking for. We're basically looking for these big banks to truly adopt the technology, use it rather than kind of fight it off, ignore it and work with policymakers to help. Basically, increase friction. That's not what we want. We want uh, this technology to reach the masses. And massive institution, institutional banking solutions like Signum is offering is really help, for lack of other terms, bring some boomers into the market.
0: <laughs> well said. Very true. Um,
1: completely That's, agree.
0: It's uh, definitely something that we're going to be looking for in other institutional banks as well, especially in the U.S. I don't really think. There is an institutional bank that allows staking. I know there are um, Ethereum ETFs. Um, do you know of any there, Nathan?
1: Uh, no, in terms of like the actual, like on the financial product side of things, I definitely think this is one of the first ones that ever really come to market and offer attractive yield through an actual institutional bank rather than something like crypto.com or Binance, et cetera. And so on that note, I believe that is a great transition to our next topic where we will be talking about Crypto.com, where the sources have said there a is $175 million sponsorship deal, which is the largest in the UFC's history. And so ultimately, this is a 10 year, $175 million brand deal between Crypto.com and the UFC, also known as the MMA and ultimately it'll be their first ever global fight kit partner where i think there will be some uh the it'll be featured on the uniforms of the ufc fighters as well as the stadium and some advertisements throughout the media presentation ultimately that's a massive amount of money what's even more interesting i i think it's really neat that it's a 10-year deal because that means that crypto.com is here to stay they are looking into the future they don't they are looking into the long term and ultimately i think with their current trajectory they are really looking to become the largest name from like the consumer aspect things they have really convenient staking options they have a low fee exchange they have convenient crypto credit cards and so i think in that regard crypto.com is really looking into the future and how can we get more involved with the media the young people and I'm pretty excited, there's a big fight tonight between uh, Dustin Poirier and Conor McGregor. And so personally, I'll be tuning into that and I'm gonna be keeping my eyes peeled for a potential crypto.com advertisement on uh, shorts, the, the flooring, whatever it may be. That's definitely gonna be something I'm looking for tonight.
0: Yeah, I think uh, it won't be hard for you to find something in there. Um, I know that some of the kind of previous uh, I guess you could say hyped up boxing matches, I did notice uh, there was news um, casts kind of talking about the different advertisement that was going on with their shorts or even on the floor, um, so it's no surprise that crypto is pretty popular. Like usual, people like the main demographics are younger consumers who have a little bit more of a discretionary income to pay for those um aver or the the payments to actually watch the shows, uh, the pay per view shows. So then it kind of resembles the type of consumer that would uh, potentially look at crypto as the next step as a form of um, reducing friction, like Nathan said. So talking a little bit more into CRO, uh, which is uh, the cryptocurrency of crypto.com. It's kind of surprising where they're at. Uh, they have a market cap of $2.9 billion right now, which is July 10th. Um, and, and they're behind a lot of, in, in my eyes, less, I guess you could say, formidable projects. Uh, not really going to try to hate on anyone, but I'm surprised Tron's above there. I'm kind of surprised Stellar's above there. Um, you know, CRO has a lot of innovative projects, whether it would be talking about um, the, the huge kind of structure they have behind reward systems and being able to connect with all these different third-party uh, entities and and provide all the services they do for their cardholders, depending on the uh, amount that you have staked in CRO, you get different amounts or different level tiers, I guess you could say, or levels of service. And um, it is a well-structured, well-oiled machine that it's really operating in. I think 29 let's say billion-ish, give or take, is a pretty undervalued market cap compared to what they have to offer versus other projects that haven't really progressed as far as, in my, or I guess in our view, what Ciara has done.
1: Agreed. I think that there's kind of a fundamental value that they bring in terms of the number of customers and where they are within the adoption scale. (laughs) That puts them relatively undervalued compared to something like Cardano that doesn't have smart contracts. We love to shit on Cardano, all jokes aside, maybe smart contracts in time for this bull run, who knows. Moving on to the next story here, we got some uh, news that crypto whales have accumulated around 2.2 billion dollars in basically the first week of July. This is based on on chain data, and essentially they're just looking at the entity's net growth. That's a key marker where they look at the largest wallets. Are these buying? Are they selling? Are they moving to exchanges? And there's another interesting metric here BTC distribution balance in exchanges. Basically, if it's in a downtrend, that means there is a net decrease in exchange balance which is kind of attuned with uh, what we've been seeing so far with these whales buying, offboarding into their cold wallets. And uh, it's interesting to see this because Bitcoin's been trading sideways for what feels like fucking years, <laughs> even though it's probably been like maybe max two and a half months. And uh, personally, we think that is going to continue for a little bit here, find our trading range before we kind of have a BTC-dominated market towards the end of summer in August and September. But it's interesting seeing this data because... I think in this circumstance, data, data doesn't lie. What the famous saying, watch the money or do it, watch what they do and not what they say, the on-chain data is kind of an objective view into what they are actually doing versus what they are saying. Cause obviously you can't approach a crypto whale, and be like, Yo, "Are you buy it, or you sell it. Tell me, pump your coin. Um, and the on-chain data really speaks for itself. And uh, just to kind of self-promo here, this is one of the many features we're hoping to be integrated into Performante Community Coin. We kind of want to create our own suite of on-chain indicators, the ones that we think are really useful, the ones that we think provide a lot of value when identifying trends, because ultimately we love our price action, we love our technical analysis, but when we want to take a closer look and see what the whales are doing, see what institutions are doing and how the market is truly operating, the on-chain
0: data doesn't lie. Yeah, definitely. I uh, I completely agree that being able to—it's kind of like understanding the fundamentals in the equity world, where uh, it, it's it's a pretty new way of analyzing the markets. Well, I guess all the cryptocurrency is pretty new, but um, there was price action. But um, I think now it's a pretty cemented fact and statement to say that on-chain analysis is the fundamental analysis of the crypto world. Um, You can do fundamental analysis if you're looking at a company that is involved in crypto. Maybe they're staking like something like Neptune Dash, um, which is now named into something else. But uh, th- this is definitely something that I think people need to pay more attention to. And kind of jumping a little bit back into the um, Performante Community coin, the PCC, uh, it will be, in our, in our opinion, a integration of social platforms that allows people to be more interactive with individuals and kind of show... you you could say more appreciation than just a like um, not just in terms of what we are able to provide but um, the community as a whole so if you're interested definitely uh, reach out if you have any questions and uh, we'd love to um, kind of explore um, all the possibilities that uh, this can provide not just um, our community but um, anyone who's looking to kind of maybe grow something similar to this and wants to branch out or something along the lines of that. So thank you very much um, for any suggestions on that one. So moving on to the next topic here. Uh, This is talking about Phase K. The internet thinks Phase K could uh, serve severe jail time over the cryptocurrency scam, um, which I believe, let's just dig into it here. I kind of forget exactly which uh, cryptocurrency rug pull it was. Maybe Nathan, if you could. There
1: was, uh, I guess, I feel like there's too many to count. This one was uh, Save the Kids. It was a charity token, similar schema to elongate or any of these naturally deflationary cryptos, where a significant portion of like the fees goes to uh, the charity in question. And what made this one so prolific is they had a lot of big names. They had like Phase K. They had Rice Gum like <laughs> uh, keemstar and a couple other like really big names within i don't want to say the gen z generation but i feel like these people are a lot more attuned and a lot more in, in the younger generation and ultimately it looks like they also got kicked out of phase just in general which is a gaming clan i guess you could say an online identity of group of individuals who play video games together so got kicked out of that looks like he could face some pretty serious fines possibly even jail who knows what'll happen i have a feeling that people are calling for jail and I'm, like twitter replies saying like wishing death upon them and stuff like that but these people have enough money that they could definitely hire a really good lawyer and i think we've seen time and time again with uh, large public image people with money Usually they don't go to jail. Like, for example, Lionel Messi has been hit with like tax evasion and tax fraud, I think like 12 different times. Same with Ronaldo. We're seeing these people basically get up to nefarious activities and because they have money, it's kind of get out of jail free card. Obviously, we're not condoning scamming charity tokens and committing charity fraud because that's not that's not very idealistic behavior but it will be interesting to follow this story and kind of how it develops because this is definitely in the public spotlight and it seems like people on Twitter and overall social media scheme are out for blood when they're discussing potential punishments for these nefarious actors.
0: Yeah, it's kind of been a, not super common but uh, somewhat of a common occurrence with um, people kind of promoting and um... Uh, not understanding the due diligence that needs to be done, I guess you could say, to put it uh, lately. So we'll definitely keep everyone updated. It'll be interesting to see um, if he is able to kind of get out of it, I guess you could say, uh, to put it very bluntly. Um, But I wouldn't be too surprised. Um, Like Nathan said, we've seen it time and time again. So moving on to Uh, A little bit more of a hopeful uh, discussion, there is an individual named James Howells, a British IT professional who threw out a hard drive that was containing 275 million pounds worth in BTC in a... uh, in the garbage i guess and he's planning to search it and he's actually backed by a hedge fund and they're searching utilizing x-ray scanning machines and ai technology um so he's uh completing the 12-month plan specialized search and he's a 35 year old individual who um is obviously very determined to go out and try to find his uh basically over $350 million worth of Bitcoin uh, in some landfill. And I think this is a key point in, in, in news topic that uh, has been going around for quite some time. Um, but he's just getting more and more determined because the, the price of the, the treasure hunt is just uh, increasing exponentially as the price of Bitcoin is going up.
1: Yeah, it's kind of interesting to see a hedge fund get involved here because it's like, yo, all you have to do is find it in a pile of garbage, right? It can't be that hard. It's interesting to see them leverage some expert technology. It makes me question how many other hard drives they'll find of people who threw them in dumps intentionally. I bet uh, they'll probably uncover some pretty interesting secrets and otherwise private data that perhaps people didn't want found by throwing the hard drives into the dump. Because of all the places you could put a hard drive, putting it in the dump is probably not the most secure option. Get a high power magnet, destroy that shit. But I guess we will see if they're able to find the money because that is a lot of money. It's absolutely insane that $381 million is potentially floating around in a British dump just because he threw it out a couple years ago. He even offered the city council $70 million to try and dig it up from the dump. but. Clearly, they didn't take the offer because he's called out the big guns. He's brought a hedge fund in, and I guess the hedge fund is kind of straying away from their normal financial markets and getting <laughs> yeah. tune into that junk market. So what...
0: Yeah, it's kind of interesting for them to actually agree and say yes. Like The the people who are actually working there are probably uh, kind of scratching their heads, thinking how are we going to tackle this, but um, they must be in data science or something. I don't know how, how they would actually approach that, looking at it from... Um, a hedge funds perspective but uh, I wish them and the hedge fund the very best Um, I think this isn't like you said the the only case where we've had massive piles of BTC or pools of BTC missing and um, I don't exactly know what the number you said but it was almost in the 17 million range for the final kind of BTC in accumulation just because there's so much lost and uh never to be seen again. And this is a prime example that um, people will go to great lengths to to be able to find something that is worth uh, a great deal, which if I was in that situation, I would as well. So we're going to uh, kind of finalize this podcast talking about uh, Huobi. It is an exchange that we just uh, discussed kind of earlier in the podcast that's been a leader since 2013. They are usually if not always in the kind of top two um, most volume in a 24 hour period, meaning there's a lot of liquidity, which is absolutely what you're looking for in an exchange as as well as being a reputable exchange. And they've been around since um, really longer than almost, if not longer than any other exchange. I really can't think of an exchange that's been longer than who will be in terms of um, a global international exchange for cryptocurrencies. And they have not just trading cryptocurrencies in terms of spot where you're trading one token for another, but they have margin where you're able to borrow, you have futures where you're trading the contracts, not even actually trading the currencies themselves. So you could really use leverage if you're wanting to go that route. And the very innovative thing that they have that not a lot of exchanges have is actually a trading bot, which is pretty fantastic. So um, if you are interested and if you're eligible, check out their website, um, see the kind of area requirements. And if you are, I think it's definitely worth checking out. So I'll kind of end the podcast here and pass it over on to Nathan.
1: Appreciate the time you've taken to tune in to us, ramble about crypto, cover the news stories from across the globe. Uh, we're doing our best to kind of filter the ones that we think everyone are, is worth listening for. So it is July 10th. Appreciate the time you've taken. Take care, stay.